Hey, it's Timmy Whispers from Stacey King's Give Me the Hot Sauce podcast. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track, all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure you can take on any adventure. I'm planning on going river rafting this weekend, and I'm ready to head out on the trails with all-wheel drive. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Oh my goodness! Give me the hot sauce! Bill Pump! Give me the hot sauce! Derrick Rose can go upstairs! Woo! Let me step back and kiss myself! MVP time! Windy City Assassin does it again! Oh, that always fires you up for a brand new edition of the Gimme the Hot Sauce podcast. This is episode 30, thinking about some of the great number 30s in the past sports history. Of course, Steph Curry, the people's MVP for this year, just having a marvelous season with the Golden State Warriors. They come up a bit short of the playoffs. You think about the great flamethrower Nolan Ryan, Ken Griffey. How about Bernard Jr.? He was automatic. No, Jr. didn't wear 30. That was his dad. Yeah, well, we're already fighting oh my on, on the numbers, yeah. oh. and he's got John Starks what? in there, and he wore number three, and you know that's okay. <laughs> oh the, my goodness, research you got John department, in there? yeah. Oh my goodness, yeah. Rashid, Rashid yeah. Wallace, okay. yeah. Terrell was, Davis. Yeah, he was thirty-six with the Celtics. Yeah, wasn't yeah. okay, but that's well, okay. You know, it, it's, hey, numbers it's are numbers. numbers so he are played numbers. one year with the Celtics. The most, yeah. the most important thing is it's a brand new show. We got yeah, a great show coming up. We are going to be joined. In a little bit by Jim Paschke, who had such a wonderful career with the Milwaukee Bucks. He's bringing the curtain down on that this year after the first round, after they knocked the Miami Heat out of the playoffs. And Oh, look at you on the bandwagon now. Yeah, well, wow. okay. yeah right. I'm a Milwaukee native. Oh, so, okay. You know. All right. And later, a real, a real treat for those of you a little bit older who remember the legendary heckler Robin Ficker. He is going to join us, tell some great stories about <laughs> oh, heckling uh, B.J. Armstrong and Stacy on the bench uh, when one of the games against the Washington Wizards. Were they the bullets back then, Stacey? They're the bullets. Yeah, so it's gonna, that's going to be a real treat. So this is going to be a great... Hour, 90 minutes coming up. We want you to listen to each and every Maybe thing. Two. And of course, you can. Yeah. <laughs> we thank we all the no, folks. We have no time limit on this show, okay? That's Ladies right. America, okay, we just do what we do, okay? We, we just have fun. And this is Stacy's first week not calling any Bulls games. Uh, what was it like not having to go down to the United Center or the Channel 5 studios? It hurt. It really hurt. Man. Yeah. Well, it, it hurt. I know it's you expected second year in a row, working. man. Yeah. Second year in a row, it's hurt. Yeah. But, but there is light at the end of the tunnel for the Bulls. They will be in the playoffs next year. I'm excited about it. I'm excited about this direction of the team. I know there's some people out there who may not be excited, but Bulls fans, listen <laughs> to me. We are going to be in the playoffs next year. Mark it Ooh, down. I think he said that at the beginning of hey, this year. Hey, you don't need to tell anybody <laughs> what I said last well, year. You were yeah. trying to get people to check the tape See, on the MVP prediction. Yeah, so you I know. have it. See, yeah. this is a, a America. This is a man who lives in the past. He, he can't <laughs> say in the present. He the lives truth. in the present. I want the truth. You can't handle it. No, you can't handle it. You need me on that wall. The past is for cowards <laughs> and losers. 
Yes. Yeah. So and coffee right. is for closers. So let's talk about the current NBA playoffs. <laughs> and I'm playoffs. drinking it right now. <laughs> oh, you're not a closer, though. Put that coffee down. <laughs> and speaking of losers, how about the Los Angeles Clippers losing two straight games at home? And, and you look at that, they brought in Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. Everyone thought this was a twosome that could lead the Clippers to their first championship. And Stacy, they lose two games at home. Luka Doncic, they have no answers. Well, let me tell you something. America. <laughs> He's this talking is, directly this, to America. This, this would be a huge monumental upset because yeah. the Clippers are a team that's favored in the Western Conference, at least to get to the Western Conference Finals, possibly to the Finals. What gets me about the Clippers is you pay $64 million to bring in Luke Kennard as, as a free agent, and you don't play him. You're playing Reggie Jackson over Rondo, especially late in games when you need to be Playoff in your offense. Rondo. You need to be running your offense at the end of games. You need to make sure that you're getting good offensive sets. You're putting the ball in, you know, late in the games in Paul George's hands where he's yeah. better playing off the ball. And, you know, and then you go back and you look. It's like, okay, defense on, on Luka, you can't stop him. He, he's, he's Larry Bird 2.0. I'm sorry. He's Larry Bird 2.0. If he, probably, if he took off his, his face mask, you would see there's Larry Bird behind there. He's just younger, okay? <laughs> All the shots that he was hitting, I mean, it looked like Larry Bird out there. Um, here's, here's my problem with the Clippers. You got two of the best on-ball defenders in Paul George and, you know, Kawhi Leonard. What I would do, this is why I'm an armchair coach, okay? What I would do is I would put one of those guys on him in the first half and the other one on him in the fourth quarter. Yeah, we'll in the try second to wear him down. And, and you have your two best defenders on him at all times. Mm -hmm. So there's no switching unless you have to, unless it's Kawhi. They run a screen roll and Kawhi and Paul George are both involved in the screen. Then you switch. But Paul George takes him in the first, the first two quarters and then Kawhi, when the game is on the line, the second half, the, your best defensive player plays him in the second half it would be that simple and that would be something phil jackson would do phil jackson would say all right scotty you, you or michael you take this guy first and then scotty you finish up with him or vice versa that's what you do when you have two elite defenders like those two guys they're not doing that and it's really causing them problems now Kawhi leonard can opt out of his contract if, if he wants he has a player option for next season he worked so hard to get back to his native southern california do you think Kawhi, if they flame out in this first round might consider exploring other options other teams like the Bulls? Like the could, Bulls. Why not? They could create cap space. Listen, don't be a hater. I'm okay? not being a hater, you know, but Because he may come here. Grasping. You know, no, we're not grasping at yeah. anything. It's reality of what we see. We got two all-stars. We're going in the right direction. We got a young team, and it's the Eastern Conference. The Eastern Conference is it's getting always, better. It's, getting, it's better. getting better, but it's still up for grabs. You're going to have, there's like, you know, it's top heavy. You got three, four teams right now that are clearly, or three teams that are really clearly the top of the Eastern Conference. Yeah. You need for the for it to be balanced. You need at least six of those teams, like the West have. You got to have about five or six teams to balance out the strength. So that means guys who are in the Western Conference who may not be able to get to the finals on a regular basis, like Paul George, and they're looking. I don't know about Paul George, but I take Kawhi Leonard. Yeah, you know, yeah, and 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 those kind of guys will start looking because here's another thing. Remember we talked about this last week. Kevin Durant talking about you know how the Bulls are like a team of destination. You know people want to go play for yeah. them because they got a good young talent. If if he's talking about the Bulls in that tone, what do you think these other guys are thinking? Like, hey man, Zach Levine, Vucevic. I mean, they just one player away. You got young Patrick Williams, Kobe White. There's so much so much talent there. Um, they're just one player away, and I could see a guy saying. It'd be tough to leave California, though. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, because he be tried tough. so hard to get back yes, there. That seemed yes. like that was his only goal was to get back home. And, and, and uh, I mean, hindsight's 2020. 
I mean, he made the money. You know, he's a two high, championships, two, one in two, San Antonio, yes. one in Toronto. So, so he wanted to play for the Clippers. Mm-hmm. He easily could have played with the Lakers, and and that team would have been unbeatable if he would have been on that team. But he chose to go to the Clippers, and now you know he, the pressure of being the go-to guy every single night. I was listening to like Stephen A. Smith and all these people today. This guy scored forty-one points. Yeah, like he scored forty-one, yeah, yeah. and they Don't were blame making, they were making no. it look like it was his fault. Right. Like, no, it wasn't his fault. Right. You you got to look at the Clippers. And, and say, hey, wait a minute. And I'm not even blaming Paul George. Paul George, I think, had 28. Yeah. So your two superstars showed up. Where, where the problem is, is that the substitutions and getting the right players around them on the floor at the same time. You know, those two guys scored almost 70 points between them. Where's the rest? Where's Morissette? Where, you know, where is, you know, these other guys who you, you're paying this money to come in and play? Right. They're the others, as, uh, as Kennard, we all like to. Kennard, right? Yeah. I mean, they're Kennard, getting nothing from their backcourt. I mean, yeah. Kennard is not even getting off the bench in, yeah. in a game where you need shooting and how important, you know, shooting is. You look at Utah and all the guys and, and Joe Ingles, how those guys survive out there. You know, they're not surviving on the athleticism. You know, they're surviving off ball movement and being, you know, movement of the ball and being playing off of Donovan Mitchell breaking teams down and getting open shots. Same thing with Giannis in, in Milwaukee and Drew Holiday. When those guys break the defense down, they're able to find their shooters. Their shooters are in the corner ready to knock down wide open jump shots. So why is not why is it Luke Kennard in the game? Yeah, let's talk about the other LA team, the Lakers. Probably saved their season last night by uh, rallying to beat the uh, Phoenix Suns. And it was so sad to watch Chris Paul trying to play with one hand, his offhand, his left hand. He's, he's making passes. He can barely lift that right shoulder. And I think they would have won that game had Chris Paul been healthy. But you look at his history going back to his Houston days, his days with the Clippers. Unfortunately, he's been hurt a lot in the playoffs. He's got the worst luck at yeah. the worst times. You go back to Houston a few years ago. If he doesn't get hurt in that series, they get to the finals mm-hmm. and possibly win a championship. So he's got the worst luck. I mean, it happened with the Clippers. You know, he got hurt in the Clippers, a hamstring injury, and then that cost him a chance to get out of the second round. Um, so he just has a bad history. And, I, and, and you hit the nail on the head because had he not got hurt, I, I think they go up 2-0. Yeah. Um, he's, he does such a great job of getting everybody easy shots. You know, so you take him out the lineup. You got Cameron Payne, who came in and played, yeah, you know, pretty shots. well. Yeah. But you're, you're not going to win with Cameron nope. Payne. No, we've seen that. <laughs> I mean, that don't work. <laughs> and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not criticizing. I'm not criticizing Cameron Payne. Cameron no. Payne is great in his role, coming off the bench, giving you, you know, 18 to 20 minutes. But when you're saying Cameron Payne, we need you to run the show. That's just not going to happen. He's going to make turnovers. You saw late in the game, he took some uh, ill-advised shots. He turned the ball over. That really cost him down the stretch because that game was still winnable yeah. for Phoenix, yeah. even with even with Paul being on the bench. That game was still winnable. You know, in the second half, when Paul was in the game, they didn't even guard him. They just went yeah. double team Booker, and that really meant that that the Suns couldn't run their offense. You know, they got back to take, I believe, a one point lead in the fourth quarter, but they couldn't finish. Because they had no offense. They were double-teaming Devin Booker, and Phoenix had nowhere else to go. Well, and then you force Devin Booker now to be a playmaker. Yeah, great shot So, career, so yeah. I mean, it's like Kobe. Give the ball to him, clear out the way, and let him get his own shot. And he's 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 not that type of player to be able to sustain that type of uh, play for four quarters. He could do it for a quarter. He could do it for a quarter and a half. But to ask him to put the load on him to not only score – but to get everybody else involved, because I want him as a scorer. That's it. I, I yeah. want him as I want That's him it. as my shooter. I want him coming off screens, single doubles, running the pick and roll. I don't want him as my playmaker. Here, I, I don't want him. Here's a telling stat: they're one of the slowest teams in the league, Lakers. 
and they uh, out fast break 15 to 4. They so played that, physical last night. They did. And, and every and time a Phoenix pace. player got in the paint, yeah. they were going down. I mean, yeah. that, that was a, a different well, approach yeah. by Frank Vogel. Well, I mean, they played really soft in game one. Yeah. yeah. You know, Phoenix was able to just, I mean, when you got, when you got eight and scoring 20, you know, you got, you know, you got everybody else picking. I mean, they had, you know, there's so many guys on their team, on Phoenix's team, that, that really contributed in that mm-hmm. game one. And they were very physical. But in that game two, you saw Anthony Davis. I mean, he was literally opposing his will on Aiton. I mean, they couldn't do anything with him. And when he plays like that, it doesn't matter who else. Le- LeBron and him, when they play the way they played, you know, last night, there's nothing you can do with those guys. Yeah. Well, let's move over to the Eastern Conference. And the 1-8, the 2-7 matchups look like those are going to be easy wins for Philadelphia and Brooklyn. We're going to talk about the Bucks and Heat in just a second with Jim Paschke. But first, let's talk a little bit about Atlanta and the Knicks. That was a classic game. That was one of the most entertaining playoff games you know I've seen in a while in game one. And, and Tibbs had to be going crazy because they had a chance to win it right there, and they didn't execute down in those last couple of possessions. Well, we, we talked about this going into the playoffs, that teams are going to play – you know, Julius Randle like they did Giannis. You know, when you have the ball in your hands as much as Julius Randle has, they're going to close off the paint. They're not going to allow you to drive. So basically, if you watch how Atlanta played him, anytime he did any kind of pick and roll or anytime he tried to beat somebody off the dribble, there were two, three guys in the area that would not allow him to get to the paint, which then forces him to take bad shots. What Julius Randle has to do is recognize that, hey, look, you know what? I got to get my teammates involved. When these guys are sending two or three guys like a box and one at me, I've got to find the open guys and their bench, New York's bench came in and saved them because that could have, if they didn't play well, that team, they get blown out. What is something to see uh, Tibbs go in that high screen and roll with Derek and Taj Gibson, almost every possession in the fourth (laughs) quarter. But you know what though? And as much as I love Tibbs, Tibbs is a great, you know, you know, regular season coach. Mm -hmm. He, 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 he sticks to what he had success with. And in the playoffs, as you know, guys, you have to make adjustments. Adjustments come not just half at the half or, you know, it's not quarter to quarter. It's like timeout to timeout. You know, there there's so many changes that go in the playoff games that you have to make on the fly, mm-hmm. you know, and you can see that New York just kept running the same plays that they've been running all season long. And, you know, Bullock didn't hit shots. You know, New York starters got outscored big time. Oh, yeah. And so when you get when when you get Atlanta starters going Bogdanovich, I'm telling you right now, that kid <laughs> is a player, oh, dude. Oh, yeah. That kid, I tell you, if Milwaukee would have yeah, been if able, they to, if they would have been able Ooh. to swing that move, I tell you what, boy, they 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 would have been unbeatable because that dude is like he can play the point, yeah. he can play the two guard, he hit some big shots. A lot of people are talking about you know Trey Young what he did at the end. That was pretty. But nice. Bogdanovich, when when New York was winning, shots, yeah. Bogdanovich yeah. hit a couple of threes that Four were for back nine. were backbreakers that you could see that it's like the life go out of the Knicks. How about your Oklahoma guy though? He took on that yeah, Madison Square yeah. Garden crowd. You know what? That's just, what as soon as pretty quiet in here. Right. That's what as soon as do. Okay, <laughs> you know we're not afraid to go in hostile territory. Oh, yeah. And let everybody know what time it is, okay? You told so, Spike Lee to sit down. Yeah, huh? little Trey, little Trey, <laughs> okay? Little Trey went out there and he handled his business. Now, look. Ice Trey, cold I hear, all, I hear all these people talking about, oh, you know, he shouldn't have done that. He shouldn't have. Listen, that's old 90s-style basketball. Yeah. When the fans hate on you and they're yelling and they're screaming at you, there's no better feeling 
to be able to stick it to him like Trey was, and you get a win on mm-hmm. the road in a huge playoff game, and you're able to you're able to have some fun with the crowd. You're able to have some fun with Spike Lee. That's that's always been like that. You know, yeah. it's a, it's like you know what? Now you start hearing people complaining about it. I heard so many people talking about you know he shouldn't have done that. that yeah. It's like come on, leave that alone, man. This is the NBA. This is not this is not youth league. This is not like everybody. <laughs> you get a participation yeah. trophy. Your mom yeah. signed a permission yeah. slip. Exactly. Yeah. You know, you know, don't don't say anything bad about the team, guys. You know, but we're you know, but coach, aren't we undefeated? No, we're all the same record. Okay, you know, yeah. how so we all because you know the team who went fourteen and zero, it really is not fourteen and zero according to the new rules. It's like everybody's got the same record. So you know, it's it's kind of like what they're trying to do the NBA. They don't want players to celebrate. They don't want players to come yeah. in and and you know interact with the crowd as long as you're not disrespectful. You know, as long as you're not disrespectful, like you're flipping the crowd off, you're doing that kind of stuff, that's, that's, you can't tolerate that. But just having some little fun by going, shh. Hey, we're recording this episode on Wednesday night from the beautiful Sriracha Studios Sriracha. in Palatine. So, uh, Stinger, you got an update Sriracha. on that Wizards 76ers game that's already underway? Because I know the folks will want to check back a couple of days yeah, and see if we were right yeah, on the score. We're trying to watch it. We're trying to watch it on right, TV in a commercial right break. Uh, Making it impossible for you to give us yeah. an update. We got whispers over here no, working the TV uh, board over here. I think he's, I think he's <laughs> fell asleep. Like he didn't he pay his cable yeah, bill. He didn't pay I think the cable that's bill. the problem. Yeah, I don't know. Because we had the game he, last he's time. He's trying to steal a streaming service in the uh, office next door. You know? it's 30, oh he's using a password from another yeah. business. He's, oh, it. my God. Yeah. It's 35, he's got the fire stick. Yeah, it's 3523. <laughs> did, did you pay your cable bill? I tapped in with your. Oh, all right. Oh, my God. I can give you my account information if you want to get in there. We'd love to see the game. Yeah, we'd love to see the game. Oh, man. We've got this nice, beautiful, big, big TV monitor here in the Sriracha Studios. All right, what's the score? Uh, courtside it has Bush it, League. 35-23 Philly. All right, um, so they'll be yeah. going up 2 nothing in that series. Two seconds to go in the first quarter. Well, let's so, let's get some intel on what's going on with, bring the, with, with the Bucks yeah. and Heat, with the great Jim Paschke, who's been kind enough to Come on stand in, by and listen to some of our NBA We're chatter. We're going to intro him, though, right? Yeah, let's, let's welcome in Jim Paschke, who's winding down do a, a little intro. incredible Semi. career with the Bucks. But before he was doing a play-by-play, he was a local broadcaster with WITI TV6 and one of the greatest promos of all time. Take a listen. Hey, Jim, who was the first Brewers catcher? Phil Roof. All right, who coached the Packers after Lambo? Gene Ronzan. Yeah. All right, who did the Bucks trade for Oscar Robertson? Charlie Falk and Flynn Robinson. Okay, give me 10 baseball players with names of fish. Okay, <laughs> I'm up. Easy, Jim. You got Dizzy Trout, Catfish Hunter. You got Jesse. Oh, Get hooked on Jim Paschke and Earl Gillespie, TV6 Sports. Randy Bass, Kevin Bass, and how about Let us welcome in Jim Paschke, who was kind enough to join us tonight, getting ready for Game 3 with the Bucks and Heat. How many takes on that promo, Jim? We did that overnight, many, many takes. And I learned later, that was a, you know, an expert deal. I was new to town. I'm not, I don't position myself as an expert, but they had me doing that. There's a mistake in there. Oh, is that right? Bill Roof was not the first catcher for the Brewers. It was Jerry McNurtney. He caught the first game. I found that out later. So here I am acting like an expert, and I find out later that there is a mistake in the whole thing. No (laughs) one ever talked about that. Did some fans tell you that, that it was a mistake? No, the the, uh, beat writer for the Brewers, Tom uh, Flaherty, told me. Oh, uh, wow. Very quietly pulled me aside, and he said, I hate to tell you this, but uh, 
McNertney was the first catcher. <laughs> Jim, we didn't notice. We thought it was awesome. No, it was yeah, a great I, promo. I never told anybody that, but now that I'm bailing out, I can talk about those things. <laughs> yeah, back in those days, the competition in, in local news was, was unbelievable. It's all become kind of homogenized now, especially with the pandemic. Everybody gets their interviews on Zoom, and there's very little competition for stories anymore. But in those days, I'll tell you what, the local stations would battle it out and what was it like working with Earl Gillespie? I mean, he was the voice of the Milwaukee Braves and, and a legend in Milwaukee. What was that like uh, kind of breaking in under him? And Badger football for yeah. over 30 years. I worked with him on the Badger Football Network, and that's how we got together. And then I came over to Milwaukee and worked with Earl. Um, just a great, great human being and a great broadcaster. Uh, he was like a second father to me. I had lost my father at that point in my life, and uh, – Earl really took me under his wing and his family did. It was great. He, they, he was wonderful. And uh, I owe a lot to him. And his son, John, worked in the market for a long time. And uh, he's still doing, I know, he's doing his syndicated fishing shows that we see a, a lot. So those, those were great days. Uh, I worked at the uh, ABC station when, when Jim was at, at WITI. So we got a chance to cross paths briefly. And then you went into the play-by-play full-time. And, and was that a tough decision for you? Because obviously you know, they're really kind of separate businesses and you went off a different way. I'm sure looking back on it, it was probably one of the best decisions you made. It took me 10 seconds to say yes. <laughs> and then when I hung up the phone, I wondered if I had done the right thing, but I knew that it's something I wanted to do. I had done play by play a little bit here and there, but uh, I'm glad I answered quickly because if I had thought about it, maybe I would have gotten frightened by the prospect. <laughs> and uh, here we are 35 years later, but who gets a phone call asking them if they want to try and broadcast the Bucks and the Brewers at the same time, right? That's fantastic. What a great You don't turn that down. You say, yes, <laughs> I'll be there on, uh, you know, the next train whenever you need me. Hey, let's talk about this Bucks Heat series going on. I know a lot of people were nervous coming in because Miami beat the Bucks in five games in the bubble last year and kind of felt like maybe they had Milwaukee's number. But that game the other night, the Bucks shot the lights out. And I think that any lingering hangover from that bubble series is gone. What's impressed you most about the way the Bucks have played through the first two games? Well, what did you say about those who live in the past? Yeah, cowards <laughs> and losers, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's interesting. Everybody was looking at last year and what happened, and then they evaluated the potential series this year with that lens. And before game two, after watching game one, I said, I don't think these teams are as closely matched as people may think, and the Bucks proved that in game two. Um, you know, there was a little bit of rust in game one. Both teams had been off for five days, and – and I think that showed a little bit. Uh, the Bucs had a lot go wrong and still won. Miami had a few things go their way, 23s. The Bucs missed 13 free throws. Uh, you can come up with a lot of things that should have propelled Miami a little further than it did. But the Bucs prevailed. And a year ago and maybe two years ago for sure, they would have lost a game like that. So I think that's progress for Milwaukee. They were able to power through and win by two in overtime. So that was a great sign. And then they come out and flip the script and hit threes in game two. And uh, I mean, that first quarter was incredible. They made 10 threes in the, in the first period at 78 points at halftime. I mean, they were clicking and showing people 
what they can do. If they play like they did in the first half of game two, they're going to win a lot of basketball games in this postseason. The one thing I saw last year in the bubble, I always I felt like the bubble really hindered them because they're a really good home court team. And I thought the bubble really affected them. And then all the stuff that was going on leading up to that, that maybe their minds weren't on basketball. And I, I said this year, being able to play at home and being in their building, they are going to be tough to beat. And even when they let fans in, they're going to be tough to beat, which we've seen in game one and two. We had 9,000 fans. Uh, that was the capacity for game two. And they just announced today, the rest of the way, the capacity will be increased to 16-5. Nice. Okay, we're getting back to pretty, you know, we're getting close to normal again. So that home court advantage will be back. But Stacy, you know this. I've said over the last year for the Bucks and Giannis in particular, when you develop, you develop up through your body and eventually you have to develop up here, the head. And you have to be able to say, it doesn't matter if there are people in the building. It doesn't matter if we're in a bubble. You have to focus on the task at hand. If you're going to win a championship, you must be able to do that. And you have to have 10 players, eight for sure, that are on the same page. And I think the Bucks are starting to get to that point where they're playing with their heads more now and uh, they're thinking things through and they're not getting caught up in 2-0 leads like they did perhaps uh, two years ago in Toronto. So uh, I see greater focus this year than I have in the last few years. It's a different team. And I think Drew Holiday is is a big part of that. Giannis yeah. has developed that way. And then bringing in Drew Holiday adds another player. Chris Middleton's been there. But Drew Holiday adds another player who's at the controls now and can make that happen. We saw that in game two. He orchestrated Bryn Forbes in the first quarter. He was hitting shots, and Holiday kept going to him, kept going to him without any thought of trying to worry about Giannis over here. And I think that's a real leader. Milwaukee has a real leader at that position now. You mentioned Giannis, and you've developed a really special relationship with the two-time MVP. I know the, the video went viral about your video with uh, your interview with him recently, and he refers to you affectionately as Mr. Jim. And, you know, <laughs> when, when you think about the, the age difference and, and the fact that he's accomplished so much at a young age, sometimes young players don't really want to have anything to do with the broadcasters or they may, they may not uh, trust the, the media that covers the teams. But being able to have that kind of relationship with Giannis, what's that meant to you? Well, Mark, it's been interesting because I think when people see what they see, when, Mark, when we sit down and talk, they think that we hang out together and we're real tight. We don't do that. We sit down once a year and have our conversation. We see each other in passing. We always say hello. I see him on planes. Once in a while, we'll chat for five minutes maybe, but there's no real you know, 24-7 deal going on here at all. It just, we the, clicked when respect, he was 18 years old. Really I was hanging through. around practice. Pardon me? The, I said the respect really came through in that interview. Well, you and, could see and, and how much that he, he I values. Mean, an yeah. yeah, an 18-year-old, uh, you know, coming to the United States by himself. I was at practice every day, and, you know, he came up to me one day and asked me which players I thought he could study and learn from. I knew that he had gone through everybody before he got to me on that question, but he still asked me. And I learned very quickly that uh, he was the kind of a person that was insatiable when it came to knowledge and getting better. And he was very respectful. He called me Mr. Jim the second time I met him and it's carried over. And then the relationship when we sit down has just been interesting. I don't have any notes. I just sit down and talk. Uh, I react to what he says and he's, 
said something interesting to me this year. He said, Jim, you held me, Mr. Jim, you held me accountable in those interviews. And all I really did was ask him what the next step was, or if he said something, I would challenge him a little bit. And he appreciated that. That's how he operates in his life. Uh, He needs that accountability on how he is getting better and what he is doing and how he is conducting himself. He is the real deal as a human being. What you see is authentic and it's real. And I have never really run across anybody with a story like his. Um, you know, he he was born in Greece, but he is Nigerian. The family's Nigerian and, and the respect and the things they learned as boys come from that background. The parents had to leave Nigeria and move on to Greece. And, and Yana says that it's the Nigerian part of the background that is his cornerstone and his touchstone. So it's been very fascinating to learn about all of that. But he's the real deal. He's a great father, a great player, great human being. And uh, it's been a pleasure to spend that time with him. The one thing I I noticed about your team this year and seeing him up close is that you guys got got tougher. The toughness is there with some of the guys you brought in, P.J. Tucker, you know, you, you mentioned Drew Holiday, and then Bobby Portis, who who's really came in and played well for you guys at the four and five spot, giving you a stretch four or five, being able to knock down shots. But the the physicality and the toughness that, that they have now that I've seen all year long, I, I thought that's been a big, big upgrade. Well, it has. And, you know, it's interesting you mentioned P.J. Tucker and Jeff Teague is in that yes. too. And what happened was the bench was playing all right. And the bench essentially was Bryn Forbes, Pat Connaughton, Bobby Portis, who has a certain brand of toughness. And then Thanasis Adetokounmpo was used this year. And he brought this defensive egg beater approach uh, when he'd come in the game and he just created havoc and great aggressiveness. But what we saw, the eye test told me that that group predominantly played well against sub 500 teams and struggled a bit their performance wasn't quite as good against the plus 500 teams. And so John Horst went out and brought in a PJ Tucker and a Jeff Teague. And I think that was a shrewd move getting ready for the postseason. You do not play sub 500 teams in the postseason unless you happen to be a one eight situation possibly, but uh, you know, those were great moves and uh, PJ Tucker is very tough and he can hit those corner threes from either side. Uh, He'll see some time. We saw him in game two. Teague hasn't played yet, but he will get his minutes in the postseason as well because he can come in in short minutes and run a basketball team, hit a three, and not he he won't beat himself, and uh, he'll hold you into games. So uh, I like those moves a lot, Stacey. Assuming the Bucs can advance past the Miami Heat, they'll most likely play Brooklyn in the next round. And, you know, they finished one game behind him so that they will not have home court advantage in that series. And Brooklyn with the three superstars everyone knows about, Durant, Kyrie Irving, and James Harden. How do you assess that potential series in round two? Well, it'll be very difficult. Brooklyn is not known for its defense. That is not a particularly great defensive team. So I think the Bucs might have an advantage on that end of the floor. However, in my view, if it goes down to uh, late in the game, fourth quarter, tight game, I mean, that's going to be amazing to watch. James Harden is, you know, phenomenal in those situations, and the Bucs will have their hands full. If they play uh, a lot of close games in that series, you know, it could be difficult. But if they can 
somehow use their defense and, and get the offense going and have a comfortable lead and stay away from that fourth quarter crunch time stuff, uh, you know, maybe they can pull it out. But uh, we'll see. That's going to be a tough series for sure, should it happen. And Giannis has to make his free throws. I'll tell you what, I get nervous every time he, he loads up. It just seems like, you know, they call that 10-second violation on him in game one, which happened to Carl Malone back in the day when they were playing the Bulls in the finals. But it, it almost seems like he paralyzes himself at the free throw line. I know he's worked so hard to try to overcome that, that mental block, but it almost seems like the harder he works, the more difficult it gets. Has, has he, have you ever talked to him about his, free throw, his approach at the free throw line? Well, I mean, it's changed a little bit. But after the All-Star break, he was actually pretty good. He was up in the, mm-hmm. in the 70% range plus, and uh, everything was going fine. And then he had a difficult game one, and I don't know where that – came from we hadn't seen anything like that in a while and that 10 second call i mean that was a tough call with a minute to play in a tight game i mean that was crazy but miami was counting you know they count down and uh, teams know he takes a while so they're playing that game but uh you know he'll be fine and you know in game two he hits free throws when he needs to he's one of those guys and um you know i think i think he'll be all right but that uh, that game one was a little out of character from yeah. uh, what we saw after uh, the all-star break. When you look at him, you know, two-time MVP, you know, where do you see, what do you see that he needs to work on? Um, Cause you see him more than we do. And, you know, what do you think he needs to, to continue to get better at? Cause we already know he's an elite player, but to really separate himself from a lot of these other guys, what, what do you think the areas he needs to work on and, and be consistent at? Well, I think he would first say my free throw shooting. Yeah, <laughs> uh, he, he, he would tell you that right away. And he works on it all the time and he will continue to work on it. And then I think just generally shooting. But, you know, his shooting is all right. You know, he, he can hit. He, I think he's learned that you don't have to hit threes to keep a team honest. You can hit a 25 footer and keep a team honest, too. It's when you do it and, uh, you know, just knowing the game. I think Giannis would tell you that he's constantly getting better with the mental part of the game now. Uh, Remember, he played in Greece, and, uh, you know, the league he played in was a lower-level league. So, you know, he didn't have – he hasn't been – he hasn't learned the game from seven years old on up. I mean, he got to it a little bit late in terms of quality coaching and that kind of thing, not to take anything away from the Greek system, but he's learning more and more and more every day. And so his mental approach – uh, is based on on the uh, cerebral part of the game now. So uh, I think, you know, he'll he'll fine-tune his shooting and then he'll keep working on the mental part of the game. Speaking of legends, the Bucks picked up a free agent producer-director named John Walsh a few <laughs> years nice. back. What, what's it like working with a legend like John Walsh? You know, you, we've, we've seen his temper here on Gimme the Hot Sauce. Have you experienced yes. that uh, during game broadcasts? <laughs> Well, Neil Funk thinks he ran both of us out of the league. <laughs> true. So true. Yes. Very true. That is true. Very true. That's, that's Very true. Sounds about right, doesn't it, Yes, Stacey? it yeah. sounds right. He said it all the time. Simulcast yes. stories. Yes. I had to go. Yes. Yep. I wanted to ask, I wanted to ask Jim because he's called a no hitter. I'm sorry, John. I had to do. That. Oh no! Hey, I'm here. John's Trust the best. Me. I, I was very happy, and John knows this. I was hey. very happy when he uh, came back to Milwaukee, and uh, I followed his career in Chicago, and I knew that. Uh, he would be a great asset to us if he came Killed back, us. and we're happy to have him Killed come back. Killed us. 
<laughs> killed us. It's just it's like it's like LeBron saying, "I'm taking my talents to to Milwaukee." That's what it was like. Yeah. And yeah, it was who like, takes their talents to Bradford? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, but Jim, we, we we you mentioned this. You know, you called a no hitter for the Brewers in '87. Uh, Juan Nuevas, and you also, you know, distinct uh, 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 pleasure, not pleasure, but the call replacement baseball and bubble basketball. The, the one the one story that, you know, because it's a, you know, kind of a bull Chicago, you know, take us back to Chicago Stadium, 1993, Michael Jordan, you, the backstory is amazing when you scored all the points leading up to 20 and you're calling the game. If you could kind of just give us a little snapshot of that moment. Well, I can only tell you the story as I remember it, and I assume that it is correct. Maybe Mark can, you know, vet this for me, but I'm doing the game, and the Bulls are, you know, up by whatever it was, too many points for the Bucks. And <laughs> Jordan had had his night. He sat down. It was late in the fourth quarter. Maybe not that late, but, you know, there was time left. And everybody in that building in Chicago knew that he was six points short of 20,000 points. And the story I remember telling on the air because my research had told me that he had passed 5,000 points, 10,000 points, and 15,000 points in Philadelphia. And I believe the Bulls were going to Philadelphia for the next right. game. The fans went nuts. So <laughs> they let everyone know that they understand. Don't let him go to Philadelphia and do that again. He walks off the bench, hits a three. I don't know what he did for the next five seconds or 10 seconds, got the ball back and hit another three and walked to the bench and sat down with 20,000 points. That's wow. how I remember it. I mean, bam, bam, two threes, it's over. Everybody's happy. The Bulls win and the Bucks go home, you know, having given up Michael Jordan's 20,000 points. Wow. That's cool. That is a cool story. Well, Jim, the nature of uh, broadcasting now is that after this round, the networks will take over. So you'll be uh, bringing down the curtain. What what kind of emotions do you think you have as you're as you're calling that final game? Well, I'm ready for it. I uh, you know I've gone through about two or three weeks now of uh, absolute uh, adulation that I you know <laughs> appreciate and I'm grateful for. But you know I I don't handle that well. I just don't. Um, <laughs> I've been trying to concentrate on doing the games and, uh, you know, it's fun and I love it, you know, and the fans have been wonderful, but uh, I didn't get into this business to be in the spotlight at all. I, I really didn't. So it's always been uncomfortable for me to, to be the story. So I've struggled with that a great deal, but if you just put me out of the picture, it's been great and wonderful. So um, I'm, I'm ready. I, I have no problem. Whenever <laughs> it ends, I'm good. Uh, I may have a few duties for the Bucks, uh, you know, in arena or maybe on Valley Sports or whatever uh, they need me to do. But um, I'm just winding down. I, I figure it'll either be my deal is I'm going to retire at the end of the month in which the Bucks are done. So if they uh, get to the finals, I'll be done at the end of July. If they're done earlier, I'll be done at the end of June. And, uh, you know, I'm ready. I wouldn't have made this the decision if I wasn't ready. And I'm very grateful for having uh, the opportunity to have it be my decision. I, uh, awesome. I always wanted that to happen. And I always wanted to leave, you know, potentially two years too early rather than one year too late. And I'll say one day too late. I don't want to hang around and, you know, not be right. able to do the job. And I feel like I can still get through a game uh, with some kind of normalcy and decency in terms of preparation and performance. But uh, uh, I'm ready. I'm ready anytime. <laughs> 
Well, I hope you're not going to be like Neil Funk and just disappear off the face of the earth <laughs> and travel all over the country, yeah, getting on cruises. And you know, I'm his partner I, for I, over I 15 it. years, I Jim. And I try, I kind of call him. He puts me on a voicemail. <laughs> he doesn't answer the phone. I, I talked to him finally. I finally got all. He was, he's in the golf course in South Carolina. He's all over the place. Not like it's not like where's Waldo? It's where is Neil Funk? <laughs> well, I know uh, where he is and where he will be, and so I'm going to have to look him up because i'll be uh, in the neighborhood same area so uh that's one guy that i would love to uh touch base with occasionally uh, in retirement It'd be wonderful he's the best yes and, uh, he is he is awesome he's uh, a he, pleasure he, yeah he, he's, he's, uh, despite, despite what uh, john says about him yes <laughs> yes yes he's my guy man i love that i love funk too. Oh, i know splinter. mine too and i know he's john's also i'm yeah, just joking yeah. around but uh, uh, Neil's we, the best. He's I, the best. I have a photo that my wife brought in from Stacy's wedding with his arm. His arm is around me, Jim. He's uh, we're posing with Mark and Mark's wife, mm -hmm. and Neil as he reached around and he's got his uh, he's got his he's got his arm around me. You can see it right there, and he's smiling. It's the only time that's ever happened. Look at him. Yes, he's so happy, and, he, and he's and he's squeezing <laughs> him so tight, Jim. Like he's <laughs> like, I want to just make his head Look explode. Look at him. Well, Look he, at him. you know, he's kind of hiding his arm. Are you sure? <laughs> <laughs> it might have been somebody else's well, arm. It might have been Mark's arm. I think he was trying to get close to my wife. <laughs> see, he's yeah. to, that makes more that's, sense. Yeah, that's what he's trying to do. Yeah. He has long arms now. Yeah, he got real long arms. Splinter. Yeah, he's the splinter splinter baby. He used to be a Hooper. Oh yeah, he was a Hooper. <laughs> Indiana legend, Hall of Famer. He never let me. He never let me forget that. He's in the Hall of Fame. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and he deserves to be there. Yes, he is. He is one of the best. You're one of the best. Uh, oh, all these you. legends are gone. It's like a whole new breed of, of of announcers are coming in, play by play guys. It just man. Miles Bridges. Yeah, Sorry. that's a little bit too much for me. <laughs> <laughs> but 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 I mean all I mean all these legends are gone. I, I you know it's really cool that I got a chance to come in and, and see you guys. Um, and, Marv and Albert's witness. retiring. Yeah, Marv yeah. Albert's retiring. Yeah. I mean, all these guys were legends, and now they're all out of the game, and it's like, oh, who who's still left? Who's still left? You. Al McCoy. Is Al McCoy no. still? Al McCoy is still in yeah, yeah. Bill, I, Worrell, Bill Worrell is uh, retiring in Houston. Houston, yeah. At least from play-by-play. -play. I think he might uh, have some duties for a year to have a, a round number of 50 seasons with the Rockets. But, uh, yeah, Bill, uh, Neil, myself, uh, Marv, let's see who else. I think that's it for this season. Wow. Uh, that's enough for one year. <laughs> that is yeah. enough for one yeah, year. That's enough for one year. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You well, know, and, and the business is changing too. I mean, Stacy, you know that it's going to be different moving forward after these last two seasons. And, uh, you know, it, maybe it's time for younger people to get a chance to figure this out and, their eyes are better. They can sit at the top of the lower bowl <laughs> <laughs> without any yeah. problem. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I got I got a guy, Adam Adam Amin, who's He's like 30, what, yeah. 30, 34, 35. I and I, I'm not going to lie. I feel like Neil Funk now. <laughs> I feel like Neil Funk was when I was coming up. So, you know, he, he has reinvigorated me because I when Neil left, I was kind of like, oh, maybe I should ride in the sunset with my partner, like Butch Cassidy and Sundance Kid. <laughs> And yeah. then and then I then I, I started doing some stuff with, with with Adam and I was just like I just got reinvigorated because of his energy and it my energy and his energy is like really really good and I got re re-energized. So uh, I'm I'm here as long as uh, the Bulls want me and I hope I can walk out on my own terms <laughs> and no one kicks me out the door. At least there's no uh, for, uh opens from the forum, Jim. And you got to do the sprint back to your position at the Great Western Forum, huh? You and oh. McLaughlin. 
<laughs> you, don't want, you don't want me to tell that story. Oh. Sure we do. Yeah, tell, sure we do. tell the story. Because uh, right, so there's Italian in Chicago. Career, we're at the forum, and you know, the broadcast position was at the ceiling. Yeah. And uh, somebody had the brilliant idea that we should do a live open and then hustle up to that position. <laughs> and um, our stage manager was a woman named Susan Heman. She was Roland Heman's wow. daughter. Yeah, small world. Yeah. yeah, former general manager yeah, of the White, White Sox. White Sox, yeah. 83. And she yeah. was an ultra marathoner. So we finish, and we have two minutes, two minutes and 15 seconds to get to the top of the building. Susan takes off running. <laughs> McLaughlin was in decent shape back then, 30 years ago, or whatever it was. And he takes off running, and Jim <laughs> thinks he can stay with him. I run all the way up the steps, and I'm okay when I got to the top of the lower bowl and then you have to go out in the hallway come back around go up these real tight steps about 20 of them and then sit down and i that last little hook got me and i sat down and i hear my head said three two one go and i can't breathe <laughs> <laughs> nothing comes out and the oh, producer's the going what's wrong with jim and john's yeah. laughing so hard <laughs> that's how the game started and then they thought that was such a great idea and liked it so much they had us do it again at halftime. Oh, oh no. <laughs> that's torture. That's that's torture. Yeah. yeah. They got me. They got yeah, me. Stacey. They got you. Wow. <laughs> Those producers, man. I'll tell you. You ain't lying. Put... Yeah, you ain't lying. We we had that same thing in Washington. Yeah. yeah. You know, we had that Good same luck thing. the second yeah. time, Jim. Try we, it again. We, we do that same thing, Jim, up in Washington where, you know, we'll we'll come down and yes. shoot the open yeah. and then run upstairs, you know. And uh me and John worked out a deal. I oh, said, yeah. John, listen, man. No, nah, we're not doing that anymore, man. We're, we're since we taped the open, let's tape the open as soon as we get to the arena. And then, you know, but everybody's at lunch and they're doing other things. So John used to be a, a taskmaster. He, he used to make everybody, like, you're not eating lunch. Hurry up and get back here. We're going to take five minutes oh, yeah. to do the open. Oh, yeah. And then I would, me and Neil would go up. Because me and Neil, Neil especially, we both hated walking up those uh, those stairs up in Washington and then coming down and doing the open. It was just ridiculous. Well, you hated doing opens, period. <laughs> I mean, you know, Neil did. I didn't. You hate doing reads? Like, yeah. No, a I didn't list. help. No, I didn't help. <laughs> I did the reads. You, if, you you did the heard, reads. if you would have heard John trying to negotiate, with yeah, Neil, God. when we have our pre-meetings, he was like, "Neil, can you please read these opens?" I'm not reading those. Yeah. It's stupid. Yeah. And 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 he go, "Okay, okay, Neil, okay, uh, Stacy, would you read them?" Yeah, John, I'll yeah. read them. So See, it was so funny at this. Especially we don't at the have end. those problems in Milwaukee. Well, listen, no. you know what? You know, we, everybody we made knows you tough. their role. We made you tough. Yeah, but I mean, it's like Jim, they say, "Jim, read the promo," and Jim will read the. Yeah, promo. Yeah, we don't have that problem. Jim reads everything. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Give it to Jim. Give it to Jim. He'll do it. Yeah, Jim. Neil, I won't say like where it was, but I was told one time I had a new partner, and I was told if I let that person read anything, I would be fired. Oh, oh wow! <laughs> I read everything. <laughs> yeah, Neil. Neil would never. He didn't ever like to read. He just like here, Stacey, read it. I don't read it. I don't. Read that, it. that was that was not in basketball, but uh, you know, oh, I know now that is. person was. Uh, I know he, who you're he can he can read them perfectly. No, well, he has he takes such great pride. You have to understand <laughs> that guy you're talking about. He wants yeah, I to. Told him, I said, hey, you you might as well say the fired, name. So, I, I, I'm, I'm wondering. It could be a, a somebody that does the Brewer telecast. Uh, yeah, maybe. May, maybe, yeah, maybe, 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 yeah. maybe a guy that was the Who catcher. Turned into a great oh, okay, the catcher okay. the yeah. night that yeah. Juan Nueva said Jim Pasquet. Okay. It'd be Bill Schroeder. Okay. It would be Rock Schroeder. Yeah. Okay, right. Rock Schroeder. Rock okay. Schroeder. He really enjoyed reading him. 
Uh, he, boy, no, well, he, he wanted to read, boy. He wanted to yeah. be, you know, he <laughs> oh, wanted yeah. to be like everybody else right out of the shoot. And oh, they yeah. said, Jim, you have to read him. Don't let him read him. <laughs> oh, yeah. So we <laughs> now to, he reads him. He's great. It, it, sometimes he'd stumble, though, and I always get in his ear. That was yeah, a great, the, great know, read. The greatest rock. attribute in this business is patience. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, well this, broad, this segment has come full circle from Jerry McNurtney to Rock Schroeder. Yeah, so yeah, I, yeah, I, there I, you I go. think we've done our job. Oh, my goodness. Jim, thank you so much for joining us congratulations Thanks, on, a, on a hall of fame worthy career it, we had so much fun thank you for joining us thank on you. give me the hot sauce and uh, we really enjoyed every enjoy bit of your it. retirement yeah. bud you thank you it. i appreciate that very much appreciate the time tonight can i listen in i need to hear robin ficker i mean it's oh been yeah absolutely yeah it's been 20 years since i had to listen to him when i didn't want to now i want to <laughs> yeah. how, how about this segue jim from from one of the kings of nba broadcasting to the court jester robin ficker <laughs> up next i'm telling you that uh, guy's the, the best he's the best, he ever. Is the best i couldn't ever. even do my job i was laughing so hard I, you know I, I wanted him to go away when i had to work but now i want to listen to him <laughs> that's coming up next on give me the hot sauce <laughs> oh my goodness <laughs> that guy was I mean that guy was ruthless. We me and BJ, we were young kids. We'd be sitting there be a timeout and Phil would be on the, you know, Phil would be sitting there going over the play. And then and then the, the guy would yell, hey Tex Winner. He says, hey, you can work on a strip. And then, and then, so, so me and BJ would just start cracking up laughing. And then and then and then he'd say, hey rookies, what are y'all laughing at? And then Phil would turn around. Hey. Pay attention to me. Listen here. I'm like, wow. Like, he's funny. He's funny. He's funny. He's funny. He's funny. Hey, that, that's the only guy that I think would he rivals Stacy. He, he rivals Stacy. <laughs> wow. For those of you watching on YouTube, and really, even if you're listening to the podcast. Go back and watch this show on YouTube because this is a classic. We've never gone six wide on a Zoom call, but but that's what we're doing today. The Brady Bunch. It's Brady Bunch. Kind enough, Paul Lynn, Circle Takes the Square, I guess going back to a different age, but Jim's kind enough to stick around as we welcome in another special guest on episode 30 of Gimme the Hot Sauce, one of the greatest NBA hecklers of all time. Robin Ficker is joining the show. And Robin, if you just heard that clip, B.J. Armstrong was out of control laughing, recounting that story. And I think, you know, in, in the book, Sam Smith's book, The Jordan Rules, he, he spent a good portion talking about the way that you really got under the skin of Phil Jackson's group. Was that one of your, your proudest moments uh, in your heckling career? Well, you know, little P.J., he was ready for bed. <laughs> he was ready for bed about 8 o'clock. And... Uh, Stacy King, you know, you used to say once a king, always a king, but two points a night is enough. <laughs> oh, no. Wow. Here we go. I used to bring Rodman magazine articles about himself and he'd read them on the bench. And then Michael said he hadn't read the Jordan rules. Okay. He said he hadn't read it. And of course I would start reading it to him. Then I'd make something up and then he'd turn around and shake his head. He knew every word of that book. That's funny. I tell you what, um, he knew every word of it. And then I'd say, I'd say, Phil Jackson, you know, you can't play better basketball 
any better than Janet Jackson or Stonewall Jackson. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I would read, I would read the book that he wrote back Maverick. in the 70s to him. Maverick. Yeah, I would read that to him about his exploits with certain <laughs> females and so on. And, and, and then he would say, I'm going to sue you. And I said, first, Phil, you've got to sue yourself for libel. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, I, I remember I remember that vividly. You you had that Maverick book and you were telling like chapters after chapters and you were saying, you know, uh, all the, 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 the drug things that they did back yeah. in those 70s. And I remember Phil turning around going, that's really low, Robin. That's really low. <laughs> That's really long. Well, yeah, but he got low because he'd complained to the referees then. Yeah, yeah, and you know you were like a one man, a one man show. Like you would, you would be sitting. What I always remembered about you, you not only were clever and witty with what you said, but you would be making the most noise of anybody in the arena. Like you would be stomping your feet on the on the on the floor, and it was just like, I mean, the players would just sit back there, just. La I know I was laughing my ass off. I thought it was the funniest thing. And then you know Phil always would say, "You you guys, you you think it's funny when you go sit back there with them?" I'm like, Phil, it's it's hilarious. Like I mean, don't get mad at. <laughs> Us. I mean, we're young kids, man. Don't. He's a funny dude. Don't I mean, hate the player, right? Don't hate the player. Hate the game. I remember. I remember. I remember specifically you picking on Bobby Hansen, and you brought that old boxing glove, and, and you brought that boxing glove to to the, to the game. Come on, Bobby, pick on somebody. I'm an old man. Pick on somebody you're old. You're older than you. And Bobby's like, you know, Bobby wanted to go at you. Bobby, literally, we had to keep Bobby on the bench because he was so mad because you were talking about what happened to him in Utah, that he got into a fight with one of his teammates or something, and uh, he was drunk or something. He got into a fight, and you just kept hammering it to him. And he was like, I'm going to kill that son of a bitch. I'm going to kill him. And we're like, Bobby, no, no. And you said, like, come on, Bobby. And you had a little horn. You had like a little blow horn and you were a trumpet and you would blow it and you have that boxing glove and you'd be like, come on, Bobby. I'm an old man. You think you can take me? Oh my God. It, it was hilarious. There it is, yeah. there it is right there. Oh, it was hilarious. Bobby used to tell me he wanted to heckle me in court and heckle me in my coffin. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> Another time, I'm shooting. A, I'm shooting a free throw. I'm shooting a free throw in the game, and me and BJ were in the game at the same time. And then you said, "Hey, little BJ, it's past your bedtime." And I literally almost—I I think I shot an air ball. I literally—I was just crazy because because it was so funny because BJ was like. Why is he always picking on me? I'm not little. I'm six foot two. BJ did look like a 12 year old. Right? Yeah, yeah, but he called him little BJ. So ever since then, that's what I would call him when we would be traveling somewhere. I call him up on the road. I'd be like, little BJ, let's go to the mall. You know, he's like, all right, Stacey, stop saying that. Okay, Ficker says it, but you don't have to say it. I'm like, all right, man. Come on, little BJ, let's go. Hey, Robin, we've got. He's kept it clean. We didn't. That's swear. right. Yes. We didn't say anything racial. We always we weren't drinking alcohol. We always had a lot of fun at the game. Yes, 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 yes. I another one with uh, Tex Winter, <laughs> the great late Tex Winter. <laughs> he was sitting on the bench, and uh, you know, he, he you told him he looked like he worked on a shrimp boat, and because he was. <laughs> <laughs> And, and I swear to God, I must have spit out a Gatorade. It was so funny because you got to know Tex because Tex never bothered anybody. He yeah. was like, I mean, he All was the 
quietest yeah. guy, and all he worried about was a triangle offense. And when you said that to him and started picking on him, he wanted to get at you. He's like, I can't stand that guy. If I ever got that guy alone, oh, I'm like, come on, Tex, calm down. It's, 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 all, it's all in fun, all in fun. Well, I was getting on Frank Layden about his lack of friendship with Adrian Dantley and also about the fact that USA Today had rated him the worst dressed coach <laughs> in the NBA. And he, he, at the end of the game, which Utah won, he tried to come through the bench and, and punch him. <laughs> the mailman was holding him back. Oh, man. Has has anyone has anyone like you talk about Frank Layden? Has there been anyone else, a player or coaches that got you got so much under their skin that they wanted they want to want to take a piece of you? Well, you know, Barkley used to enjoy the tete a tete. He would put notes on my chair before the game, <laughs> saying, "Robin, I hope you don't give me a hard time tonight." <laughs> and then I would say, "I would say, Charles, well." I hear you want to run for governor of Alabama. Before I vote for you, I want to know your view on health care, NAFTA, and the economy. And he turned around and said, well, Robin, I do have a view on the death penalty. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Robin, we've got Jim Paschke with us. So he's bringing the end to his career with the Milwaukee Bucks as their play-by-play guy. Jim, you have any stories about uh, run-ins with Robin and when you visited Washington? Well, no run-ins, but I would listen during the timeouts, and then I'd have to come back and read a promo, and I couldn't even read it. I was laughing so hard, <laughs> and that happened over and over. Robin, who was your favorite Bucks target over the years? Well, I think probably my favorite was Barkley because he'd always give it back to me, and I enjoyed go- going after him. He- he'd let me have it, and I remember he originated the idea of getting this great big, 10 foot across 76 banner which was shaped in a circle frame and they'd hold that up behind behind their bench when i was there and then the nba made him get rid of it say no you're blocking the view of all the fans of the huddle (laughs) lots lots of the teams used to move move their seats out to half court to get away from the uh, from the bench, <laughs> yeah, the whole bench out during timeout. We did it. We did it. And uh, Phil Phil made our trainers and everybody move the seats out from where they normally were to get out on the floor, almost to the free throw line. And uh, and we still heard you, and we still laughed, <laughs> and we got in trouble for laughing. It's like <laughs> I'm sorry, dude. He's funny. I, I mean, he's hilarious. He's, he's hilarious. How, how would you think you would do in today's game? Because you don't see anyone like you. In, in today's game, because they're always, you know, escorting those people out. Well, I always, I always would read up on the players. You know, I knew that I knew the names of Scottie Pippen's girlfriends and how much I, I knew that Lewis <laughs> Lloyd was seventy thousand dollars behind in child support. Oh I no! <laughs> <laughs> he I, did. He did everything. I would bring up the stuff that was in the media. I wouldn't say anything that wasn't in the media. It was in the media somewhere, but I would read up on the teams. Uh, before they came in, and usually the visiting team TV station would put a mic on me during the game, but I wouldn't say anything improper. No, it was always clean. You Did- never, you never said anything, you know, inappropriate. Um, because I, I specifically remember the Jordan Rules books. <laughs> when you were telling <laughs> right your your teammates don't like you, Michael. 
Your teammates hate you, and and they don't want to be around you, Michael. You're, you know, and, and Michael would be sitting over there like you could tell like he was just like one. He's so mad. Um, but, you know, I mean, hey, it is what it is. But it, you would you would have like little excerpts in the book, like the Maverick. The Maverick was hilarious because, you know, Phil always prided himself on not being affected by crowd noise and stuff like that. It's always Zen. Yeah. yeah, Zen. And, you know, he preached Zen to us. Yeah. And that's one of the first times I ever see that Zen didn't work. Is <laughs> when you when you read out of the Maverick. That hit that hit you know hit Phil right you know right in the stomach and I I remember him turning around when you were talking about you know his divorce and everything boom boom and it was like he turned around and goes that's low Robin that's <laughs> that's low <laughs> that's really low so he, well see he never thought he would get to where he was back then when he was writing that book yeah yeah because he was a player yep. He was a player. Hey, so, Robin, you're not driving the car, right? I mean, you're, no, I'm, I'm, you're I'm parked, in, right? In, I pulled over. I, I pulled over. <laughs> <laughs> okay, thanks. <laughs> I don't want any more incident. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. No, 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 so, no, Robin, no, Robin, who are you heckling now? We don't see you at, uh, at Wizards games. Are you heckling a well, different group, a different clientele, <laughs> different sport? Well, actually, if you really want to know, I'm heckling a bunch of people who are uh, running for governor because that's what I'm doing. I'm running for governor in, uh, in Maryland and wow. uh, okay. I'm out there, out there meeting the voters every day. And of course, uh, you, you know, I, in the past I've, I've gone to the university of Maryland wrestling matches because up the, in the wrestling matches, you can get up close and personal with those <laughs> And I've had, I've had a lot of opposing wrestling coaches volunteer to wrestle me. I bet. <laughs> the wrestlers are crazy, man. I bet you they. I, I bet you you have to get guys off of you, and they're wrestling. Well, we miss we miss the headline. He's running for governor. Yeah, Jesus. Yeah. I mean, you're the yeah, same age as our president, so I guess that's fine, right? I mean, you got a good shot, don't you? <clears throat> well, I, I think I have a good shot because I'm pretty well known, and I – Plus, I'd like to meet people. I'm going to spend Memorial Day weekend down on the boardwalk in Ocean City. In two hours, you can meet people from all 23 Maryland counties on the boardwalk. And they're, they're just walking by in a parade and they're footloose and fancy free because they're having fun at the beach. They're on vacation. Well, I tell you what, if you if you have a debate against any of the other candidates, <laughs> they might be in trouble. Yeah, because <laughs> you you'll shred them up with their with their past. Oh my goodness! So you 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 well, I will say this: you were well prepared for every. I know for the Bulls, I don't know about other teams, but you were well prepared for us, uh, and you knew everything about us. And uh, I remember you were in uh, Phoenix. That uh, there was a rumor that Phoenix uh, brought you Barkley. out there. Just to heckle us, because they felt like that would be an advantage to have you out there in the finals. It didn't work. It it didn't work. And and, and I remember, I think it was Rodman who made some statement that he was afraid of spiders. So one game, I brought like 200 spiders, including (laughs) a big one that was like four feet across, which I had on a rope. And I put spiders under the bench. I put spiders under all the seats and I had all these spiders, some of which were lit and, and glowing. And it just completely discombobulated the arachnophobic Rodman. <laughs> so that's that's a lesson for all you young aspiring hecklers out there. Yeah. Make sure you do your research. Make sure you know the people that you're going to attack. And keep it clean. Yeah, and keep yeah. it clean. Keep it clean. I know you were a big attraction at those games back then. I mean, you were sometimes a lot better, a lot better show than what was going yeah, on in the basketball court. Bigger than the court. bullets. Well, 
Well, you know, you you get a uh, vicarious thrill. You, when you're at the game, you start thinking you're actually there on the court and you've had a hard week. You've been in and out of court, you know, arguing all week long. And then you get you get there to the game. You're right on the edge and you feel like you're out on the court. and You want to take part and you realize that you can have an effect with the words that you use, because these guys, you know, they're trying to focus on their game. I would have a a whiteboard there and I would draw plays that were different, different than the plays the coaches were drawing. And I'd say, no, you, you ought to be doing this. They'd be looking at my plays instead of the coaches' plays. And the coaches, of course, the coaches would have a short half-life. They were worried about their job usually. And if you're drawing all these plays that are contradictory, then they get upset. <laughs> how, how would you how would you heckle today's stars like Kevin Durant, LeBron James? How would you heckle those guys? Well, actually, you know, I I think I helped LeBron James uh, when he was still in high school because they had a uh, an athletic director uh, in where he was going to high school and. He he went to he went to school and he had on some NBA uh, jersey and and as a result of that the the athletic director in his school district wanted to disallow him to play high school basketball because they said that he was uh, promoting something um, commercially and I I called up that guy that 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 uh, athletic director and gave him hell and they ended up dropping it but you know. I think LeBron and I would get along really well. I think I could distract him. I really do, uh, by because the, most of these players they're they're used to focusing, but they really haven't honed their defense, uh, which is against those who are trying to keep them from focusing. And it's pretty easy, I think, to crack the nut when you're sitting right there and you're able to talk to them freely. You know, they got to <laughs> come back for a blow or a timeout. And you can get into their head if you know a lot of facts about what they've been doing over the over their playing time, uh, over their whole game uh, career. So, Jim, if you're looking for something to do in retirement, you can either take up heckling or you can run for governor of Wisconsin. I mean, just follow the Robin Ficker path. Yeah, no politics for me, but I've been taking notes. Robin, I'm going to try one more time. Any great Milwaukee stories? Um. Oh, let me think now. Dell Harris. Well, Dell, yeah, Dell Harris. He was always he was always trying to act very prim and proper. So, so I think I think I would call him Dinner Bell Dell, and, and and start start talking about what he was going to have for dinner after the game, and you know all these shrimp and things that he was going to be eating, and he'd be there trying to concentrate on what to tell the players. I, I caught his, I, I think I broke through his consciousness that way. Now, you know, I had a lot of fun one time when uh, Barkley wrote something about how he didn't like vegetables. So I, I brought a whole big bag of all the different vegetables to the game. And I said, Charles, you look radishing. Or Charles, you have to take a leak. <laughs> I, I brought all of them you're making a broccoli of the game of basketball you know you got a little spring onion step <laughs> and i i hold up these veggies and it was really quite distracting i know one of his teammates 
was told to go in the game and he had he had to put the egg plan he had in his hand under his jersey and he almost went on the floor with it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Robin, Jim's partner right now is uh, Marcus Johnson who played on some of those great teams in the 80s. You remember that group and uh, they had Jack Sigma, Sidney Moncrief. Did you get under the Brian skin Lewis. of any of those guys? Yeah. Bob Lanier. Bob Lanier. Yeah. yeah, Moncrief was a great player. He could sure jump. Uh, you know, Sigma was kind of big and slow. He had the yeah. perm going. Remember that? The Jack Sigma perm in the early 90s? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, so did they ever pass the Ficker rule? Whatever happened with that? Wait, say that again? The, the Ficker rule. Did they ever pass that? Timmy Whispers. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That was printed on the back. I think it still is. On the back of every season ticket where uh, they say that if a team – if a fan interferes with communication between the opposing coach and players during timeouts, that fan shall be given a warning. And then if he does it again, that fan shall be asked to leave the game. And if he does it a second time, they can revoke his season tickets. You know, they brought that rule about simply because I was talking to the players like I was calling Jimmy Jackson Emmy action because he couldn't hit the J. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Are you on the beltway right now? <laughs> no, no, I'm, I'm here actually at the University of Maryland campus where it's raining quite heavily. Well, I'll tell you what, this, this has been a, a real treat to catch up with the original heckler, Robin Ficker and, and Jim, we're going to send, send you a copy of this so you can treasure this for, for all time. The time you appeared on the Give Me the Hot Sauce podcast with Robin Ficker. This is this is one for the books. There's no question about it. Robin, well, I, I love, thank you. I love these guys because they were in such great shape and such good athletes, and I had to admire them. But but uh, actually, what they should have done, they should have had David Robinson take them to role-playing school where they could have put up with some of this trash talking <laughs> because I could never get under the skin of the Admiral. He'd Ooh. been through the Naval Academy. He'd learned how yeah. to take it. He should have been teaching these these rookies and these NBA players Didn't, how to take You need me on that ship. <laughs> Didn't you spend some time at the military academy? I'm, I'm like, yeah, yeah, I was at I was at West Point. Yeah, yeah you you didn't last though, right? Did did you? No, I, I yeah. didn't last. I got too many demerits. <laughs> <laughs> surprise, surprise. <laughs> well, Robin, thank you so much for joining us. We'll be following your race for the governor of Maryland. That yes. will be interesting. That's going to make national well, headlines. I, no, no, no. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna win that race, and and I hope. By the way, I have to give this a plug. I hope the University of Maryland wins that NCAA lacrosse championship this coming weekend. Oh, they're gonna run into okay. the mighty. Is that is that men or women? Because we got the Northwestern women. Are there a powerhouse here in Chicago? Yeah, they, they're really good. Yes. All right, Robin. Thanks for spending time with us. Robin, thanks, thanks for guys, coming on, buddy. Jim, thank, thank you for Jim. hanging around Jim, for the thanks interview. Thanks for hanging in. We appreciate it. Thanks for your interest in sports. Thanks for your interest in sports because it keeps young people going. Yeah. And, yes. and I don't know, we're going off the wall next, but we've been off the wall for a long time. So that <laughs> keep going. More stories coming up our on Giving the Hot Sauce. That's his slogan, our friend Ficker. Absolutely. Yeah. He is our buddy. He's our buddy. Friend of the show.
case the unmistakable rifles tell you it is time for rapid fire but i'll tell you what after uh, the great segment with jim paschke and then uh, robin ficker going all spraying all fields <laughs> we're trying to rein this show back in just a little bit but before we move on if you're watching on youtube we've got a special treat for you the woman behind the great success of Timmy Whispers, his lovely wife Maureen, is here. Is he is he really that quiet around the house? He's pretty quiet, but is he? oh yeah, but you know if he has a few drinks, a couple beers, oh, he's not so we've quiet seen anymore. inside of him. Here it comes. Here it comes. I, I think that uh, Whispers is trying to get Coors Light on board as a sponsor. He's sampling a little product tonight. How you doing there, Whispers? I'm the Coors Light Ninja. <laughs> hey, thank you for uh, setting up that interview with Robin Ficker. That, yes. was, some, that was some classic yes. podcast fodder. He was yes. fun, fun yes. guy. He, was... he likes to, to talk and, and have a good time. You, you know, you think about all the great guests that you could possibly get, and Robin Ficker is right near the top. And the next governor of Maryland. <laughs> yes, the next I, I'm governor not so of Maryland. sure about that. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, hey, but at least he's running. Yeah. He's putting himself out there. Yeah. He's, I think this is the second time he's run for public office. Third, uh, yeah. Third, I think he's 0 for 2. <laughs> and um but he could you know, I never know he might win he might win this stranger this things have happened exactly. there's no question about it i mean look at our past president uh, who went from reality tv to the white house so any, anything is possible but we're not going to get big into politics <laughs> yes, let's, no, no, let's no, talk no. about one of the great sports stories of this year to this point of this calendar year phil mickelson becomes the oldest golfer to win a major tournament he won the pga championship and we're talking about zen earlier stacy and he changed his whole approach he tried to do deep breathing exercises and play slower, even walk slower on the golf course. And I think, you know, even though people can say, well, golf's not a sport. I mean, what he was able to do to beat the greatest players in the world at the age of 50 is quite an accomplishment. I don't care what anybody says. Golf is a sport. So, I mean, you're getting out there and, and it's skill, mm -hmm. a lot of skill. And for what he did at 50 years old, he's always been close. You know, Phil Milkinson's all, if Tiger had not been in this era he possibly could be the greatest player of his generation. Mm -hmm. But he had to go against Tiger and then Sergio Garcia. There's so many guys that came mm -hmm. up with him. But he is a phenomenal golfer, and it's great to see him finally get the light and the, the, you know, the light shined on him. It's, it's awesome to see him win at that age. One of the things that was interesting during the tournament was we found out that Brooks Kepka is not a fan of Bryson DeChambeau, who, uh, of course, is the guy that tries to hit the ball 400 yards and plays a whole different kind of golf. And in the middle of an interview, Brooks Kepka saw him walk by and he said something behind him and he says, oh, stop, I don't want to listen to that, that, that asshole. You know, so, <laughs> so, you know, fighting words in golf and, and speaking of beef, Stacy, there's a great beef going on with the former number one overall pick, Kwame Brown, who was kind of lit up on a podcast well, and think, he went I after I think him. Southside had something to say about Phil Mickelson. I think she wanted oh, well, no, to... It's, it's, it's bring your wife to work day well, on well, the yeah, yeah, South podcast. Been on the, but I think she wants to refute what Stacy said about yeah, athlete. I think father, right? Yeah, father time is undefeated and I want that guy drug tested. I think. Uh -oh. I, you know what? I don't know. Cause Southside. 50 years old, arthritis. Listen. He's hitting bombs. Just because you're old doesn't mean you're cold. Okay? Remember that. <laughs> okay? Just because there's snow All on the right. mountaintop doesn't mean there's not a fire in the furnace. Um, okay? So feel is, feel is, right. 50 is a new 40. You subtract 10. Whenever you hit 50, you have to minus 10. And. The people around you don't have to know you're minus in 10, but in your mind, because the mind is the most powerful thing. You know, I'm 54 years old, but I'm really 34. Except <laughs> minus, taking 20 minus 20 off. 20 off. Yeah. Except, except in the, the morning, except in the morning, when I need to get up, the bones start hating a little bit, the hip, the knees, the back, and I go on my app to find Uber to see if I can Uber myself to the bathroom. 
You know what? I'm trying to call an app. <laughs> I see. I only got to go 20 steps. I don't know how much it's going to cost Uber to take me to the bathroom with 20 steps, but I'm trying. And John, hold that up again. You can oh, get your own oh. bottle of the Give Me the Hot yes. Sauce. Wait a minute. This will keep you young, huh, Ken? Let me see that. Let me okay. see that. Let me see That's that. a different variety that we have. Hey, don't, 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 don't let everybody know that right now. Okay. <laughs> Let's just so, under testing hey, or we yeah. get the so, FDA warranty or what, you know, what's going on? Da, 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 da. <laughs> we have a breaking news story, ladies right. and gentlemen. Bulls fans, America, we are now coming out with a second Wow. Recipe. It's called the St. Pat's Verdes. Let me get it up close. Hold it up. Yeah, hold it to the camera. Let me see where my camera at. No. There you go. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. There it is right there. There it is, yep. And we're going to go to Timmy Whispers. We're, we're going to go live to Timmy Whispers so he can explain what this sauce is and how different it is from and the first sauce. how you can get it. And how you can get it. Go ahead, Timmy Whispers. Uh, okay, I'll explain one of your mom's recipes here. <laughs> <laughs> so if we had a little extra avocado and cilantro, uh, medium Heat and uh, can we put He's giving away the recipe, Stacy. Yeah, it's it's trademarked. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you can't steal it. You can't steal it. Anyway, go ahead, whispers. It has that special sauce in it. Which it's a real special sauce. Real special sauce, and she'll like it too. Yeah. <laughs> I hope it's not that special. Oh, it is. It'll Woo! boost your. Usually it'll boost it's whispers with that singer. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It will. What do you say to boost your tea? It'll boost your tea. If you have low tea, <laughs> and she'll like it too. <laughs> Little shameless plug wow. for my boy Frank Thomas. There it is again, America, St. Pat's Verdes. It's awesome. It, it. I ain't gonna lie. I, I like the hot sauce. I was eating the hot sauce all weekend when I was up at uh, when I was up at uh, uh, where did I go? Wisconsin? Lake Geneva. Geneva. Grand Lake Geneva. Yeah. So I had my hot sauce with me, and I was taking it. And uh, I'm I'm really interested in tasting this one because I know it tastes good. And I got this bottle today. Oh, Lord. Give me the hot sauce. No, give me the St. Pat's Verdes, baby. Not the hot sauce. St. Pat's Verdes. How green. can our viewers and listeners get a bottle? Just go to give me the hot sauce there you go. Simple as that. Four packs. Four packs, one pack, two packs, whatever you want. Okay? Can I have mine back? No. Is it, is, did we give you this? Uh, yeah, Tim did. Uh, we need yeah. a receipt. <laughs> we need a receipt, Tim. We, we don't turn them down with our collar over here, brother. Come on. There ain't no free bottles out here. for free. Okay. All right. Hey, speaking of hot sauce, we started talking about the Kwame Brown thing with, yes. uh, with Matt Barnes. That got that got ugly pretty quick. It escalated quickly, as I said, an anchor, man. Listen. Uh, listen, America. This is modern day bullying. Seriously, yeah. it is. I mean, Kwame Brown wasn't messing with anybody. He he wasn't, you know, he wasn't talking trash about anybody. He was just minding his own business. Just puffing on his hookah pipe. Yeah, yeah, his big hookah pipe. <laughs> I watched some of that video. Uh, that I'm was get, something, you know. I'm gonna get me one of those. Because at first I didn't know what it was. I was like, what is he sucking on? Is that like yeah. one of those like those drinks with the long straw? Yeah. And then no. my, my son told me, no, that's a hookah, that's a hookah pipe. I'm like, yeah. I'd never seen that before. Uh -huh. no, they're much bigger than the ones I've seen. Oh, yeah. this, this was like a little one, like a skinny one. I, I was like, oh, is he drinking a drink or something? But back to the point. Uh, and listen, everybody has a right to their opinion. And, and you know, I, I've never liked the word bust, you know, calling a player bust. And this player was a bust, you know. It's your interpretation yeah. of a player, okay? Listen, anybody who makes it to the professional level is not a bust. Anybody who plays... 10 years in the league, make $64 million and started NBA games is not a bust. Right. And for those guys to call him a bust because he was the number one pick, because he didn't reach their expectations or someone else's expectations, he came in this league as an 18-year-old. The worst thing that could have happened to him, Mark, 
was to be on a team with Michael Jordan. That's the yeah. worst thing that could have happened easy. to that kid. If that kid would have went anywhere else, he'd probably been a star. But to come in on that team, to be Michael Jordan's first pick, and then to be, and I listen, all of us know what it's like playing with Michael. And if you're not mentally strong and mentally tough, Michael will beat you down and take your confidence. And that, I think, happened to Kwame Brown. He just, you know, his confidence was taken very early from him as an 18-year-old when there should have been mentorship. There should have been someone there taking that kid to the side because, again, I've heard stories about Kwame when he first came in, you know, how, you know, he, you know, he, you know, he didn't have to take his clothes to the cleaners. He didn't know how to do any of that stuff. They had no mentorship programs for that kid, you know, as an 18 year old coming in. And instead of, you know, Michael, you know, doing like he does veteran players, you, you can't do that to an 18 year old. Yeah. I mean, that just destroyed that kid's confidence. And, and, and I think it impeded his, his development into where he could have been. You know, there was a reason why he was the number one pick. Because he was the best eighteen-year-old in the in the draft at the time. That was the uh, Eddie Curry Tyson Eddie Curry Chandler Tyson draft. Chandler. Yes, yeah. I mean, had he been able to, like I said, gone anywhere else, his career might have been different. But my point is, with with Matt Barnes, and I love Matt Barnes, and I love Stephen Jackson. I love their show. Um, all that. And Gilbert Arenas was on. And that, Gilbert yeah. Arenas. Listen, you're in this business. You have an opinion. That's the beautiful thing about this. I think they could have handled it a little bit differently. I think they could have just said, hey, look, he didn't, you know, his career didn't turn out the way it should have turned out for various right. reasons, okay? And, and you know, Gilbert knows what it's like to play with Michael Jordan and play for Michael Jordan. He knows. So for them to, like, kind of take a shot at that kid um, was, I, I thought, was really bad. But when he, they, they hit a sleeping bear, man. They poked the bear because he came back. And he came back firing. I mean, he, yeah, he was on YouTube for over an hour. Let me just tell you something. those guys up. If you didn't know Kwame Brown, the player, mm -hmm. you know who Kwame Brown is now. Anybody who's on social media, Twitter, Instagram, um, YouTube, he probably now, I think he went from like having like, you know, 1,500 followers to yeah. like, you know, close to 100,000 now. Like people know who he is. And now the thing that's happened is, is that he's telling stories like, things that happen behind the scenes. He's giving you things that, you know, normally you don't talk about, but you can understand where he's coming from. So y'all want to come at me. So if you come at the King, you better not miss. And they missed. And he is torching them right now. Yeah. With every drag of his off the hookah pipe, <laughs> he, the story's got a little bit yes. worse. And at one point he looks in the camera, he goes, damn, my eyes are red. He goes, but I love my hookah. And boy, he did. <laughs> he, I'm telling you what, he, 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 I'm going to tell you something. He's, somebody's going to give him a podcast. Somebody's oh, yeah. going to give him a show yeah. and they're going to give him a get him on. He's a, he's a four. We gotta get Kwame Brown yeah. on. Yeah, Definitely he, for hey, mature audiences only. Now I'm a, but you know what though? He he. I mean, the things he talks about, like when you listen to him talk, he's very educated. Oh yeah. You know, yeah. for for a kid who came straight out of high school, didn't go to college. You know, you listen to him talk. He puts his sentences together well. Mm -hmm. He expresses himself in a in a in a, an adult way. You know, he's not you know oh, f this and this and that. I mean, he's really talking like he like he knows what he's talking about. And you got to respect the guy because, like I said. You know, when people say a guy like him is a bust because of the situation that he was in, like I said, anybody who's been in the NBA has played 10 or more yeah. years, you can't call nobody a bust because there's only 400 and something NBA players out there that are actually in the league. Think about how many hundreds of thousands of people who are, you know, playing basketball who can't even get to that level. Now, if you want to call people bust, you can go look at all those people, but you don't know their names. 
You don't know their names because they're not drafted. So it's easy to pick on a guy like Kwame Brown, which I thought was wrong. And I think it's wrong for anybody to call any player a bust uh, when they made it to the pro level. And there'll probably be some opportunities for Kwame Brown going forward in terms of being out there in the media. And the one thing for me is that every time I came home from work, I drive uh, down North Avenue towards my house and there was this place in the distance is a hookah bar. And, and I never knew what that was. Like you were saying, saying Stacey, after watching Kwame Brown, I might stop in. Yes, that. yes. Hey, we, we, hey, <laughs> we need to going put, on hey, in the den of iniquity. Hey, listen, we, we, hey, listen here, you know, I mean, here at the Sriracha studio, <laughs> yeah. we got kegs of beer here. Yeah. So there might be, we, yeah, we need to have a hookah bar in here yeah. and doing the show with hookahs. <laughs> you know, I, I'm down for well, that. I already ordered it. You oh, love it. <laughs> whispers, whispers is already in. Way to go, Whispers. Hot I sauce know. and hookah for everybody. Oh my goodness. How we do it. We dim the lights. Oh, oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Put a disco ball in here and have the lights shining. Oh man, I can see it happening right now. We can bring one of those. Yeah, see, yeah. I mean, yeah. John, oh, here we go. Oh, John, we go. John wants to get in his oh, old to Adam Vinatieri. See how he forced that in? Yeah. yeah you see how he forced it? He didn't even well, lead to no it. There's no segue uh, there. I'm there's no segue. This this right here. This was it Who right here. Cares? 2001 right here. And if you're not watching Bam. on YouTube and listening on the podcast, you have no idea what's going on. Adam but, but he's showing the Adam Vinatieri field goal from the years, Super Bowl. 14 game winning kicks in the final play of the game, fourth quarter OT. Nothing oh. bigger than that right there. He had the kick against the Raiders a couple of weeks earlier in the snow. Who did he play for? You know, well, he, he played, he played for? for New England <laughs> okay, for okay. a long time. But I America, just think, this about is why we're, we're covering Adam Vinatieri. We he had a great Phil. career. We talked great about career. Phil. We talked about Phil Mickelson. How about we talk a little bit about that guy? Uh, hey, Southside, do you fan. think you think you think he? Uh, what about Father Time with him? I, I have my. Same yeah, he had a bad my, year for the Colts comment, last year. Yeah. You have the same count, same comment the, too about. I'm old and I know. The, the Indianapolis fans want to run him out of town. He's missing yeah. a lot of kicks last year. So, well, well, well. It's undefeated, Stacey. Yeah. Salute to Adam and Terry. Yeah. We, we appreciate Salute that. Salute to the New England Patriot legend and John Stinger Walsh. Second greatest Patriot of all yes. time. And he should, be, have his, he should be in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> He should be in the Hall of Fame. And oh, he have, will be. Yeah, and he should have me. his jersey all up in the ring score. of circles. Yep, yep, all that. Yep. Hey, right before, along with Julian Edelman. Yeah, yeah. right, right. I now, knew you were going to say Now, that. I want to set this next up because we have big news okay. in the Sriracha dun, studio. Dun, 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 dun. Instead of using that, that's very similar to the kind of music I was told by a producer that works with Shinowski. I should use this music to introduce Mark in his, yes. his second run. Here we go. Wow, that's old school. Is that Floyd WK Calvert and John Drury. Is that is that WKRP in Cincinnati? What is that? That's your music? That's their old music, right? Before I was there. <laughs> I was getting ready to say, that sounds kind of old. Hey, I'm old, but I ain't that old. <laughs> it's uh, it's Cool Hand Luke. And apparently you And that's what that. they used to come on to? Uh, yeah. Apparently, according to the one of the ABC producers I talked to. But anyways, not to steal the thunder, Mark's back to read a teleprompter. And I think that's good for everybody. <laughs> because the stuff, my wide range of skills. The, the wow. Stuff that, the stuff that you come boils up here it down to that. Wow. Yeah, this is hey. a special shout out to my boy, Mark. Hey, listen. One of the best in Chicago covering oh, sports man. should should never be on the sidelines. He should be doing this until he retires on his own till he's uh, seventy five, and that's only two years away. <laughs> but 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 he looks good for seventy five, America. Yeah. He looks damn good. He got a full salad on his head. He looks damn good, <laughs> and it's so glad to see him back on television because he deserved to be on there. And they they hit a home run bringing you back, Mark. And it's and eyewitness news. 
5 and 10 this Saturday night. Yes. Saturday and Sunday. I I'll be doing all, the anchor in the sports. I want all our people to watch 5, uh, five o'clock and 10 o'clock. ABC uh, 7. ABC 7. Yeah. Mark is going to be on television again. He's going to be, before he comes on, he likes to do 25 push-ups. That's because right. when, I, when we had him on, we had him doing a game uh, in Detroit, Mark was late for the bus. You heard this, oh, you yeah, heard this yeah. story like way back in like episode like 15. <laughs> Mark was late. He tried to blame me for him being late. But Mark was actually doing push-ups trying well, to get swole up before he got on camera. <laughs> well, it wasn't you. You did lead him down the wrong path there, didn't you? A little. Listen, bit? let me tell you something, Stinger. Okay, <laughs> I'm just getting this to is, this. This is why this is why the Beatles broke up because there's a Yoko Ono in every group. That's right. Don't and try to come you. between us. You don't come between me and Mark. Yeah, okay? right. Right, we're solid over here. John and Paul McCarthy over here. Yoko, you stay where you're at. Okay. <laughs> Stace, uh, you know, this is on the download. So tell us what uh, life is like as oh. the pandemic is ending in Wisconsin as you're in Lake Geneva. This oh, here oh, here we go. Yes. Oh, here we go. <laughs> okay. America, Chicago Bulls fans, I got, finally got out the house. Yeah. I, yeah. I was like, I, I felt like John Travolta, the boy in the plastic bubble. Okay. <laughs> if you ever saw that movie, that's what I felt like. I took my first steps outside the bubble. I didn't wear my little suit. I just walked on out. I had my mask on. You know, yeah. I'm, I'm double, one of the few people. I'm double vaccinated. Yeah. Was it scary? I, yeah, it was kind of scary. I, no, it, it was kind of scary. scary. But let me tell you what was scary. So I go, I go up to Lake Geneva and I'm going up there to hang out. And then all of a sudden I get to uh, Grand Geneva, the hotel I was staying at. And I've never seen so many people. It was like I was in Doc Brown's DeLorean and I came back to 2001, you know, pre-pandemic. Everybody's walking around with no mask. And it was all the people basically from Wisconsin that didn't have masks on. And you saw the Chicago people that were checking in. Everybody had masks on. And I, I just was like, oh my God, like, you know, it's like, what's going on here? You know, but with that said, I was double vaccinated. So I had my mask on and I had a good time. It felt good being out, walking around, you know, Lake Geneva, just hanging out. Um, it's hard to get clean towels, though, isn't it? Oh, that, that, okay. <laughs> hey, America. Oh, there we go. Okay. So I'm in my, I'm there for two days. I'm there Thursday, Friday. I'm checking out on Saturday. I'm a clean sheet freak. Okay, I'm one of these people like if I sleep on sheets one night, I want new ones the next day. Yeah. And then they only give you one set of towels. Okay, so man I call downstairs. Uh, there's no man code violation. <laughs> there's no man code violation. Sounds like it, I though. like clean sheets. I don't know who slept on those sheets before I got in that That's room. Right. So I want clean sheets. So I call downstairs. It's like 11 o'clock. I'm like, man, where's the cleaning people at? It's like 11 o'clock. So I call downstairs. And say, hey, yeah, um, excuse me. This is Mr. King in room, you know, 5023. Uh, are you going to come up and are you going to send somebody else to clean the room? And they're like, oh, no, 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 no. we can't do that. You yeah. haven't been out of yeah, the house. Yeah, no, we have. We can't do that. I'm like, what do you mean you can't do that? COVID. So they said, well, because of the COVID reasons, yada, yada. Then why are you open? Then I said, why are you open? That's yeah. exactly. Like, why are you open? And why is everybody <laughs> walking around with no mask on? Yeah. I, you know I what think, I'm saying? But I think guests are uncomfortable with having the I wasn't. Uh, I wasn't uncomfortable with it. Well, Bring me some new sheets. Hey, <laughs> if I'm gonna leave the room, if I'm gonna leave the room and yeah. give you yeah. two hours to clean the room, I'm not in there with you. I'm and with I was you. in a and I was in a suite. I was in a nice room. So I, I was like, I had a fireplace. I mean, I was in a nice room. Yeah, I roll like that. Yeah, okay. <laughs> if I'm gonna go to a hotel, if I'm gonna hotel, I'm not going to Motel Six. I'm just telling you right now. <laughs> I need comfort. Okay. So I had a nice little fireplace, couch. I had a great a view of a, a wall. I I didn't have a good view for this room that no I paid room for. Service, there was no, and no no they did have room service did and they? yeah oh. they they made, they put it in like a little bag like if you went to oh. like picked it up at McDonald's oh yeah. and they gosh. dropped it outside your door and knocked on the door and ran. Oh 
So you're like, you know, you see, you're like, you hear a knock. And you're like, who is it? Ding dong ding. And they, they wouldn't say nothing. They just take off. So I'm like, let me go out there and see what's going on. I'll see my food on the door. I'm like, oh, well, that's, that's, yeah. that's really low. He's just going to drop it and run. Wow. But, but I had a good time. I had a good time. It was great being out and not yeah. kind of, not kind of worrying about, you know, everything, just like for two days, just get out of the house. That was my first, like my first trip I'm going to take. I'm going to take a lot more, but I just wanted to just do that for now, just to get a feel, because Lake Geneva is not far from where I live. So I just wanted to see what it felt like being in a hotel. That's the first time I've been in a hotel in over a year. Wow. When, when did we, let me see. March. March. Yeah. Yeah, it's been over a year. So yeah. it felt good to be able to, to get out and, and experience things. Yeah. So um, I'm, I'm venturing out slowly, but surely I'm waiting for my, I'm waiting for whispers to get the boat back out. Cause you know, that was the game plan. I was going up there hoping whispers would have his boat out there and we could lower it in the water. Yeah. And you know, I wasn't there to serve hors d'oeuvres or anything. Cause normally whispers always ask me like, Hey, do you have a tuxedo? Um, you know, you, I said, he said, he goes, you want to come up on the boat this weekend? I go, yeah, man, it'd be a great idea. That, I mean, I have a lot of fun. Who's going to be on there? Oh, you know, I got a few friends, my wife, da, da, da. I got a lot of friends coming so on. So this week, tell and then he goes, he this, this is what he tells me. He says, um, "You got a tuxedo." I'm like, "So you're the bartender said, on so, a love boat?" So I goes, "Is this a formal thing? Like yeah. on a boat, I got to be all formal?" He goes, I, "No, I just want you to serve hors d'oeuvres." Oh, I'm like, "Come on, wow!" Whispers, whispers. Yeah, then, I had to, then I had to get the guy with the sombrero, with <laughs> the, the chips, and the dip in the middle walking around. I had to get that guy. He's sitting all the cliches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's my boy, too. Yeah. He's my best friend. See, I ain't chasing him. Oh, so chasing him. Mariachi yeah. band. 30 years of abuse. 30, 30 years of abuse. <laughs> yes. <laughs> he said 30 years of abuse. Yes, yeah, see, you know, listen. But listen, I urge everybody to get out and live. Yeah. You know, and, and if you've been vaccinated, you know, get out there and live, man. And, uh, you know, you still got to be, you still got to move differently than you've ever moved before. Like, I'm not big on a lot of people you know, being around a lot of crowds of people. Um, if I'm around people I know, I'm a little more interested in doing yeah. that. But, you know, restaurants and stuff like that, you know, it was good. I went into a restaurant and, um, you know, I, I felt safe. You know, there's still, there's social distancing in certain right. restaurants. And I, I felt safe. I didn't, because I'm not going to live in fear. I'm just not, you know, I, 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 I know how serious COVID is and I'm not, you know, naive to know, like think, oh, because I got my vaccination, I'm safe. I'm still going to move differently than I did in the past, but I'm not going to be held hostage. I'm going to, I'm going to get out and enjoy myself. And because, you know, life's short, man, yeah. you know, no one's promised tomorrow and I don't want to be, you know, sitting around and, and missing opportunities, you know, you know, enjoying life, you know, because I'm afraid and can't, you can't do things when you're afraid. Great words to live by as we wrap yes. up episode 30. Before we so get out of here, you. though, you know, you owe Neil Funk a phone call. Yes. He actually oh, called yeah. during the yes. show, which is the, one of the strangest things it, I've ever seen was, in my it life. It was one of the most craziest things because we had we had Passy on. We had Robin Ficker getting ready to come yeah. on. And then Neil and Funk. And we just were talking about we, we were just talking about Neil Funk. So his little ears must have been burning. <laughs> oh, yeah. And so he calls in the middle of the show. And then we put him on FaceTime. Okay, Which he didn't know how to do. He, yeah, he didn't know how to do FaceTime. He's <laughs> like, hold on, on He said, yeah. yeah, he hung up on me. And he, I go, Neil, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put you on FaceTime. Hold on. And he goes, all right, call me back. I'm like, you don't have to, Neil. I don't have to call you back. All you gotta do is just answer the FaceTime call. Yeah. So, so he comes on FaceTime, America, and uh, you know, I haven't seen Neil in months. Like Neil has been just like MIA. I put him on a milk carton. <laughs> has anyone seen this man? So he comes on, and he looks like Grizzly Adams. 
Yeah. He's got a beard growing. He's got all this face. I mean, I'm like, I've never seen Neil with the, with like that kind of shadow, you know, and Neil keeps himself shaved. So I know he's enjoying retirement. So it was, it was awesome seeing it. So when we get off the show tonight, gotta give him call, a call. I got to give him a call. And, uh, cause he made it, he made it seem like I don't call him. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Maybe he's on the hookah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know, man. He's stopping at the local hookah bar. Uh, he's stopping, I don't know. He He's, might, though. Was eyes red? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, hey, leave Neil alone. I'm not going to let you talk about Neil yeah. like that. I'm All right. No. I, I got yeah. to go. It's yeah. plenty. <laughs> uh, I tell you what, this has been a, a classic episode yes. as we hit our 30 episode milestone. Yeah. 3 0. Our thanks to Jim Paschke, Robin Ficker, and of course our great sponsor, Bubble Up the Bubble Cloud. Up. Reimagine Bubble Up, the new way to visualize, organize any kind of content all in one place. We want to thank them for their support. We are continuing to grow. We hope you check us out on YouTube and, of course, all the various pod course podcast platforms. It's easy for me to say, I hope I don't do that on Saturday and Sunday no when way, I'm man. reading teleprompter, the teleprompter, John. Teleprompter. All right, for the whole crew, Maureen, thanks for joining us. It was nice yeah. to meet you. Timmy Whisper's better half. And get your jar of hot sauce. Go to I just want to say, I want to say thank you to our sponsor, Give Me the Hot Sauce. <laughs> <laughs> and I want everyone who's watching this show or listen, make sure you get your bottle of Give Me the Hot Sauce, the St. Pat's Verdes edition. It's the green sauce, if you don't know. And it is on fire. <laughs> <laughs> What else you got for the folks? Drive home safe the Chicago. Beep, beep. What? <laughs> no, no, you don't go what on a closeout like that. Okay? You're getting a little bit too comfortable. You, you, you're getting a little bit too comfortable on the, on the thing. Can't go upstairs. Oh, my God. Woo! Woo!